0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room podcast and BlueWire Network.
0: What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have
1: to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Mike No Darius today. And Mike, coming into this season, I've been more fired up for this season than I have been in a while, right? And it's a combination of a bunch of factors, and you know, it's it's rest, it's rust, it's uh, you know, little chip on your shoulder, wanting to see the Lakers prove what they can be. So for multiple reasons, I've been ready to go, and I I felt like the start of this season has been, or this preseason, has been, we're at the the beginning of a, a race, right, and at the starting line, and the starter's pistol goes off, and we haven't moved, right, and so the whole, everybody else has started to run, and they've kicked the crap out of us, Mike, the last seven times we've seen the Lakers play, We've gotten whooped in every single one of them. Game four, five, and six, and then the first four preseason games of this, right? So I'm giving you all of this as context from my fan brain, right? Of like, it's not fun watching your team get their butts kicked over and over and over again. But what's really stood out to me that I want to acknowledge first and use as a jumping off point is, I know what a LeBron James, Frank Vogel, you know, Rob Palenka era team looks like when they're locked in, ready, like, let's do it. That's not what this is. That doesn't mean that being locked in and all of that means that you're going to be successful. There's just, you struggle in a different way if you do struggle when you're playing that way. And so what's so striking to me is just a lack of urgency really throughout, with a couple of exceptions on the roster and just in general. Just where are you at in this marathon of a season? Right, I've been struck by that. The starter's pistol goes off and we're still standing in one place. And that's why we're losing by 25, 30 points.
2: Yeah, it's a bit of a game between the head and the heart. And when you're watching, uh, whether it's whether you're working or if you're watching as a fan, I think especially and what you're seeing isn't matching what your expectation was. Right. Which is especially when Russ and LeBron got on the floor for the first time in Golden State, that things were going to go a certain way. But as LeBron told us after the game, He's not really thinking that much about the preseason game. He's not really playing that hard. Um, He's not really playing the same level of defense that he would in a regular season game even. And that does filter down to the roster to an extent. So when you're taking the whole thing in concert and you're considering that, all right, well, so LeBron only played for, what was it, 18 minutes in that game? And that's it. Mm -hmm. That's the only time that he's been on the floor um, so far in the preseason. And that's Pete— the. As, uh, as Riggs, as Riggs ex- exits the building, he was going to – usually comes in at the end of the podcast, but he decided he wanted to start this one because he <laughs> likes your beard. Anyway, that to me is the biggest thing with – like. so I'm – that's the head-heart thing. So my head is telling me, okay, these four games you can't take that much out of. But when you're watching, it's hard not to to get frustrated with the turnovers, right? And with the lack of cohesion and with the lineups still to be decided, the rotations still to be actually borne out. And all that's to say that on Tuesday, I think we're going to see something different. That's what Anthony Davis said, at least uh, as he as he did his post game after the game four.
1: Yeah, so I would be in a much worse mood than I am right now if it weren't for that run in the second quarter. Now, we talked a little bit before we started recording and you brought up the idea of being at a college summer run, right? Where there's a couple of guys that are trying really, really hard and the really good players are just getting their run in, right? And that's very much a thing in that how players prepare themselves yeah, for like the it's season. Ca-
2: it's cardio day, you know? Yeah,
1: it's and, and right. And there's a completely different energy to that than the, hey, we're here to compete and we're going to try to win this game. And so we've very much been in that type of... Mindset, right? We're just getting our run in, and that's why we're giving up a buck twenty, buck twenty five every game. It's very apparent in in how we're playing in the tape, and it's not everybody like right. Like I've loved the spirit that Rondo's played with, that Austin Reeves has played with, and he's somebody we're going to talk about in light of some uh, recent injury news, probably in the in the next pod. But usually, a team that is good will catch the Holy Spirit a couple of times during the preseason, and. Get the competitive juices flowing and one of the things about all these ass kickings that we've been taking is two of them this preseason have been to Phoenix and it's like of those seven times in a row that we've gotten our asses kicked five of them have been from Phoenix and so from that I'm fired up and ready to go for this season I'm watching these games like man are y'all cool with Phoenix kicking your ass again you know like there's some competitive juices like wanting to fight back and in that second quarter. We went on this run that was the first flicker of the preseason of like what it could be and what it looks like. And part of it was sparked by some like trash talking. And But you really saw the, the team lock in at that point. And that's I'm in a much better mood today as a result of that, because that's what I'm looking for out of this preseason. I don't I don't agree with the idea of uh, I don't agree with the pacing that we've had on the on the preseason, but it's very obvious that it's intentional. You see where I'm coming from on that? and But I just wanted to see that flash and that second quarter run did that for me.
2: Pete, there were definitely elements of that too in the Golden State game, which was more led by Dwight and Rondo in the second half when they mm-hmm. decided, all right, like, listen, this is enough now. Let's go ahead and compete and get these guys to come with us. So we have seen that when certain players, at least certain leaders on the floor, have gotten engaged then they do look like the different team. And that's I I think that this question has been asked almost every post game by me or by somebody else and it's hey guys new roster right completely new group how right. important is the preseason to develop some sense of cohesion and the consistent answer back has kind of been eh, like Important, ideally, yes, it'd be great, but not as important as the bigger picture. Not They're not worried at important. all, Mike. Yeah.
1: If you hear all of their answers, they're, it's very like, there's not a level of frustration or like, come on, guys, we really got to do this. And so just acknowledging that, that even if that's not my mindset coming into the season, I've been raring to go, that idea of pacing yourself, LeBron and all these guys talk about the idea of it being a marathon. And so the starter's pistol going off and us not running at a faster pace or even running at all, it does not necessarily mean that at the end of that marathon, we won't be, at, at, you know, in front, you know, and yet here's the here's
2: the part to push back a little bit is that if you think about when AD came for the first time and mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't remember that preseason a ton, but I know that the way, especially that LeBron was pushing was different. And that was like that was LeBron had not yet shown it in Los Angeles. It was coming off of the year in which he got hurt and the first time that he wasn't to the the finals in nine years. And so he came in on a mission. Here's what's going to happen from game one. And now you're not hearing or sensing that same level of... Not even close. Yeah, of of energy and kind of... And that's what I'm curious about. So to what degree does that flip in game one against Golden State or in game two against Phoenix or is LeBron almost just acknowledging that Russ particularly is such a unique player. And that is going to take a little bit more time than LeBron playing point guard, running everything himself on offense with a D carrying the defense. So I wonder if there's some level that they're just thinking this isn't, we can't just flip the switch once the regular season starts. And that's where it gets into, I kind of want to kick that back to you because yes, we saw it defensively in that second quarter. Right. But in the other times where the defense wasn't kicking into high gear, we've seen the offensive struggles that they've had as Russbrook tries to, to figure out how to play with these guys. As, and he, he said he's never had a good preseason. He said that after the game. So he's also acknowledging, kind of like LeBron said, that this is not the point where he's pressing and go. And he's making all of these moves, Pete, looking to pass instead of, instead of to score, whereas the way Phoenix was playing him, he probably should have just
1: attacked the rim. Absolutely, right? and
2: yeah. so so yeah, so all lots of going, lots lots going on here.
1: So a couple of things, I, what I see is players thawing out, right? Veteran players thawing themselves out, and it's not they don't go from being. Russell Westbrook over the summer, too. And even if you talk to some people who've who've covered Westbrook for a while, he can get off to slow starts. And this is even something he said during his press conferences is my job is to figure out what I need to do for the team to uplift the team. And but that figuring out process is different for every team, depending on the roster. We'll talk about Russ in, in the second segment, but that overall difference in uh that first preseason where after we got ad that's when ad comes out has 17 in the first quarter of the first preseason game there's the great consider this a warning tweet right that 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 called the 2020 championship but there was a a fire and intensity to that then of course we dialed back the whole preseason was not like that but you just saw a certain amount of we want to announce our presence with authority that this hasn't been that at all and so the fact that it seems to be this intentional calculation is interesting to me because the argument you made about Westbrook being such a unique player isn't that an argument for them playing for them taking the preseason in a we're going to try to play all our guys as much as possible so that by like we have more ground to cover that's it's an interesting the fact that they've made this choice means that there is a philosophical difference there, that they don't believe that, even if we see that from the outside, right, that they need all these minutes together, all these reps before they can go into the regular season. Obviously, they don't feel the same way.
2: Yeah, you, you, I could go either way with that. So on the one hand, Westbrook and LeBron, LeBron, LeBron hasn't said this explicitly. This is more just me reading into how he might be thinking and might be approaching the season. But... The way that they're thinking is they're not going to go out and just spend six preseason games playing full minutes so that they can have the the maximum possible cohesion for the regular season opener. That's right. Because it's it's not worth it for their bodies.
1: That's right. There's a burnout potential there where if you go too much too soon, you can't get to the finish line.
2: So they're also acknowledging that, of course, that would be ideal in terms of the mental reps. But LeBron is saying that. It's better for him to get that in practice so that they can stop the action and correct it. And so their practices have been more intense than the games. And this is when, before their first preseason game, on our text thread with you and Darius, I was like, "Ah, I'm hearing some pretty good things about the way things are going in practice and the way that Russ is looking and the way that LeBron is playing and everybody's in great shape. And, mm-hmm. right? and then you see him get into the game and we don't see that. So it's been, it's been about this, okay, so guys, tell us what it is that you're seeing. Because we don't have anything else to go for, uh, to go after. This is like, Pete, why the NFL is such a tricky league. If you lose week one, and then you've got six days to break it all down, it's like that's hard to do. And, and that's why you get the overreaction theater. And this preseason has felt like one long week of football after a loss. <laughs> I except, love this, yeah. Except that you're not you, – you know the difference being that it's still preseason which is what now both Russ and LeBron have said and I'm not like I'm not changing my opinion as to where I think this team can get to I still think they're the most talented team in the west I still think that they should be considered the favorite but there has to be some acknowledgement right that it's Oh, yeah, that's right. This is how Russ plays, as opposed to all the the theories that we had on the podcast for the last couple of months as to how it might work in an ideal setting. And here's how Russ can complement LeBron and AD. And here's what the slotting is going to help. And here's how actually his defense is going to be. Now, all right. He looks like what Russ looks like at the beginning of seasons. And and that's got to That's got to have some level of impact as we as we think about how the Lakers are going to start the season.
1: Yeah, let's take a quick break and get more into Russ's rough start. Lakers basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out in transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Yeah, two games in, Russell Westbrook has 15 turnovers in about 42 minutes of combined action. He shot the ball poorly in both games. Uh, I've I went back and watched all 15 of the turnovers. Like a lot of these turnovers are not. Some are not actions that are specific to the Lakers. These are just basketball. I'm in transition. I'm looking to make this hit-ahead pass or this cross-court read that are these actions that he's, he's been in these circumstances thousands and thousands of times, but the timing is very much off. There's also, and this was something I was texting you about, I'm curious if this is something that ball handlers around the league have noticed. I've noticed guys fumbling the ball that normally don't. I counted three from Chris Paul last night as well, where normally he pulls that drill back and just kind of they flub it right so the the league has changed to a new basketball this season and i'm just curious what the ball handlers around the league think anyhow all of that's to say is good right? I'll, I'll
2: ask yeah i'll ask because that, yeah a, i'm very curious to, yeah.
1: if, if anyone uh notices or if it's the same there are also a couple where it's the timing that's starting to develop right where i, I think it was his second turnover where they showed high and Russ actually made the correct pass off of an AD ball screen, but AD didn't roll into the open space. And so it floats into the help defender, but it was, it was the correct pass. And if AD rolls into that spot, there've been a few like lob attempts that Russ has made this ta- pass so many times, but it, it's about developing that timing with that particular player. I also think it has to do with the spacing, right? With the, that, that they've had uh, with He's played both, started both of his games alongside DeAndre Jordan. We can get into that later. But all of that together, what, what have been your thoughts? We've seen a lot of the bad of Russell Westbrook over the first couple of preseason games.
2: So, the, what Russ said, and I hinted at this right before the, you tease it, Pete, in the past, Russ is used to teams playing him first for his scoring. And not necessarily for his shooting, but because he's so good at getting to the rim and he's so good at getting into the paint. So, you know, they're going to sag off and they're not necessarily just playing passing angles. So last year he led the league in assists. And I think that that plus the development of the game and more of a focus on his lack of shooting. That's just that's become, I think, a, a bigger thing than it was even when he was in Oklahoma City or when he was in Houston and the Lakers certainly played that to their advantage in that playoff series, right? That was one of the biggest reasons why they won it. But I think that when, since that's happening, Russ's mindset though, because he, all that he's been talking about is that he wants to maximize his teammates. He wants to help. He wants to fit what AD and LeBron do. So he's been way over looking to pass almost to the point where Rajon Rondo was when he was playing more minutes a couple Mm -hmm. years ago, where teams are in like Ricky Rubio, so teams are playing Westbrook like they play Ricky Rubio and like they play Rajon Rondo. But the difference is that Rubio and Rondo can't score like Russ. So if teams are going to play him like that, then go get 30. Just go, just go get into the paint. Keep going to the rim. Actually finish over guys. And I think that that's what he will start doing more um, if teams continue to play like this. And Pete, as I say that, of course, the equation changes when LeBron's on the floor. Uh, next to him and but that's to me the first thing about Russ that I think about because the the way that he's almost playing just right into what Phoenix wanted him to do they're leaving him open for jump shots and then they're they're sagging way off and helping on everyone else around the floor and they're in the different passing lanes and they're, they're there to contest a lob so I just think that Phoenix almost had too good of a game plan for a preseason game because they're going to play for real now and you know the Lakers have gotten their butts kicked and, and I think that 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 kind of mental edge that you get from that, I think actually does could help them uh, when they play. Was it I think on the 22nd? So I said a lot there. Let's uh, I want to hear what your main Westbrook uh, takeaway is off that, though.
1: I mean, with respect to their game plan, that's how everybody's going to game plan against us. If we're playing two bigs alongside Westbrook, it's the reason why I've been so adamant about uh, starting 80 at the five is. I don't think that you can fill the dunkers spot and have Westbrook on the floor as well. It's not like Westbrook has a history alongside stretch fives, but what happens is they come up and set that high ball screen, and then the other three players are spaced out, like in OKC and Washington, a lot of spread pick and roll sets where even if a Steven Adams is not a guy that's, oh, he's going to pick and pop and hit this three on us, he's out setting that screen up high, and then there's nobody, when Russ starts driving to the basket, there aren't two bodies there. the way that there are when you play two bigs alongside him but it's either going to be so the a, a big reason why i've been so adamant about the 80 at the five and we're going to see that uh, against the warriors in in the next preseason game is that the architecture and the skill sets the match between the that type of offense and what our guys do is a recipe for a lot of uh, Anthony Davis jumpers and a lot of Russell Westbrook jumpers. And that's what we saw in uh, a lot of those starting shifts in particular. Russ was also on the floor during that run. And the one difference between those lineups was Dwight was in the game rather than DJ. And so the, the funny thing is in this, in this uh, debate we've been having about who's going to start at the five and, and all of that is that we are actually very close in opinion of you need one lineup of 80 at the five and you need one version of your team of 80 at the four that can beat the crap out of people. I think where the 80 at the four minutes happen and I I think we saw flicker of of the white like Anthony and I can't wait for to for Darius to chime in on this as well. Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard together defensively can do some things and we saw Kent Bazemore on the ball during that run. We saw Wayne Ellington doing a good job as a help defender and being aware of where to be and Russ getting us out in transition during that run. And so that like that was the one flicker of not just the team looking good, but this is our big physical lineup that can kick the crap out of you. And so that's with respect to Russ. I think that once we make that change to AD at the five, that gives us that spacing unit. And then that big beat the crap out of you unit is the one with, with Dwight in the, in the second quarters.
2: Yeah. None of which I disagree with. And I personally agree that ad starting at the five is the is the main thing like what the whole the only thing I've been trying to relay throughout all these podcasts is that there are certainly people uh, within within the squad that just think the best team building way to sure. go about it is to buy some minutes in the you know for the five minutes whatever it is of the first quarter um, in the third quarter with DeAndre because otherwise DeAndre just doesn't play and now that you've got some injuries and you're starting to get into the depth a little bit uh, I still don't I still think that that's a possibility. But of course, right, uh, we've the reason they won the title is when they went to those lineups. So it, 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 but yeah, so agreeing on all that, as usual, I just think that with with the with the Warriors game to start the regular season. What is the rotation going to be? It's hard to believe it's going to be different from what it is on Tuesday night. And so, I agree.
1: Because, yeah, this is to me, the season starts in a lot of ways, like the start of us doing it for real, for better or for worse, right? Is that Tuesday night is the start of this. And this has been everybody just kind of thawing out, knocking the dust off, and pacing themselves.
2: Right. And so, once we see that, and (laughs) so here's another reason why it's got the best chance to work is because they just haven't played that hard or that well yet. So, if they come out of the gates as we expect on Tuesday, and thinks, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go well because Steph Curry could just get hot and hit six threes in the first quarter. But if they just play with the proper energy and LeBron's out there driving down to the paint and Westbrook's got – he just – the timing switches, as you alluded to, Pete, just a little bit. Like the timing is just off a little bit on a lot of those passes. And all of a sudden yeah. he's hitting DeAndre for a dunk or he's hitting AD for a dunk or it's th- – Dwight's coming in. So I'm um, – that, that is what I think is needed for them to get on film. And then they can go back and watch why it worked as opposed to just sitting there been breaking down the last four preseason games where it's like, you're OK, well, I know that didn't work. But every player is sitting in there thinking, well, it's because of this. It's because of that. So if they if they get right. beat while giving their best effort, like that's going to be a different equation than what we've seen so far.
1: So that's why that second quarter was especially informative to me, because that everybody like I know what the team looks like and just what a basketball team looks like when they're really getting after it and when they're just going through the motions. And so it's such a foundational and fundamental ingredient that evaluation of tape, like if you don't have that, it's kind of worthless. You can see which guys are internally motivated, that they're going to play hard when even the whole team is kind of in a funky headspace and that they're not, you know, rotating and and really giving a lot of effort. You can see some things in those moments, but where you can really evaluate the team is when they're locked in and and engaged. And what was interesting about that second quarter is it didn't end well entirely either, right? Where They went on a little 7-0 run at the end. And so my point with all of this is not that the Lakers are going to start trying and it's going to be puppy dogs and rainbows automatically as a result of that. But the real progress can be made once that starts happening. And I do think that Tuesday night is the beginning of that. But I also think that that's in, in part because that's when the rotation is going to be like, my theory is that DJ has been filling in for whoever's needed a night off. And so, or, or wanted a night off. So that first night LeBron didn't play DJ was in the lineup that second game, uh, They uh, LeBron and Dwight didn't play, so DJ actually went to the bench. And then they needed a guy with the G-Leaguers in the fourth quarter. So, And Vogel's been wanting to get DJ a night off since he said after the second game, we want to give him the next one. But he hasn't had the third game off or the fourth game. And I think in part that's because AD needed a night off and LeBron needed a night off. And if it's a question between LeBron or AD wanting that night off or DJ, well, like, guess what, DJ? You're actually playing tonight. You weren't supposed to, but you're, you're going to. So I think that in part that like, let's get everything rowing in the same direction in is that part of it is because of the, the rotation will be in place. And like, I think Tuesday represents go time for, for the team.
2: We know that I think Anthony Davis has hinted at this a couple times now and Vogel's hinted at we want our base lineup like to we want that to be the one that we have that we can go to for the most part. He doesn't want to be switching every night based on if some other yeah. team is big and some is small. But we also don't think—at least I don't think—that AD is going to start every game at center. So I think there are going to be some opponents where DJ gets kind of the token start. And I can see that. So
1: what kind of opponent they, does that look like? Is that like a Valanciunas, just a big ass dude that we don't want AD banging with? I mean, I guess it, to
2: me, I don't. That's where it's conflicting a little bit, right, with what Vogel said, where they don't want to just be doing it based on matchups of the opponent. But it's yeah. it's it's more just, I think, to keep him engaged and. Like, which is what Vogel did. And I think it's, they like Dwight where he is because in the, so even if you don't start DeAndre and you start AD at the five and then you're just bringing another wing in, you're still going to keep Dwight in the rotations that he's been in.
1: That's right. He starts at the beginning of the second quarter. Mm -hmm.
2: And he's been really good there. And then you can also then in certain matchups that lines you up to have Dwight finish against a a certain type of opponent, right? So I think Mm -hmm. that's basically locked in. And then, therefore, if you're – especially now – okay, so Ariza is going to be out for a while. Um, Monk, hopefully, ready for the season opener. We don't know. He's going to be evaluated again in a week. But a groin strain is different from a groin pull, um, right? Or a – so, like, hopefully, crossing fingers. And then THT, we're still kind of waiting on timing of all that. But that's another rotation piece. And so all of a sudden, I just I I've always thought that Vogel, if like if you can play and you, he can trust you on the court, he's going to find spots for you to get some minutes. And the easiest minutes to get for a guy like DJ are the, it's to start the game, where you're not going to lose the game in that first quarter. Maybe you do get some lob dunks. The other team probably isn't going to go, um, you know, completely ISO and try to get him out in space. So I, I think that that is the spot, and we've seen it now, three of the four preseason games he started, but the hints are remain that AD is going to be getting the bulk of these matchups because it just makes the most sense for Russ in the way that they want to play, um, as you've certainly been discussing. And, and so maybe that's the way that, that Frank can get by with having it all work, is that some nights DeAndre's not going to play, but on the nights that he is, he's going to start, they're going to try to go to him uh, with lobs early and, and try to use his energy in that way.
1: Yeah, I think that's generally the case when he when he does. I think that it'll also be like say if Dwight gets an injury and is out for a couple of weeks, DJ would step into that role, you know, right. and and yep. fill in those spots. And I think that that the the reason why the even with the injury issues, I don't think it's that simple is the five spot changes fundamentally how you play like the structure of the offense so that idea of having the dunker spot filled. this isn't a conversation that we're having where it's like oh THT's hurt now you got to play maybe Austin Reeves gets some time or Monk or Ellington all those guys are a lot more interchangeable but with the five spot especially if you don't have a stretch five having that dunker spot filled with Russ on the court is always going to be an equation for a lot of Russ jump shots and if AD's on the court too of all of the ways that Russ and AD can kill you the jump shot is the one where you're like okay i'll I'll, like maybe you still make that right but that's the one that they're going to live with the most and so that's why with dj in particular even though we're suffering these injuries i think it's more like austin reeves might have a chance to get some pt as a result because he doesn't fundamentally change kind of the the structure of of the team so but we'll see on tuesday i'm super excited
2: that's also so or it just means that ad has to actually just space out more on certain possessions uh, because you still there's plenty of times where Russ has played with a diving center and even if they drop, he can still get all the way to the rim and finish or eventually sure. just lay that off. So I don't, I, I don't think that ju- like there are possessions. I think, and this is what I meant about early in the game too, where t- Jordan comes up and sets a high screen. AD is actually spaced out to three as is LeBron. And if they want to drop off for that coverage, then Russ just go score. You know, and if they want to go help on Russ, then throw the alley-oop. So that that doesn't have to wreck spacing. Like, that's been basketball for many, many years, right? And it can still be effective.
1: Well, I think where Rex spacing and why I think that it's a formula for AD shooting jumpers is they're fine. If their choice is between Russ getting downhill with a lob threat big, that's for well over a decade been a lethal combination. You got to guard that. And if that means I've got to take away AD's jumper and give him kind of a token closeout, I'm totally going to live with that. They're going to live with those jumpers from AD. And so that's why like he does have to space out, but AD's jumper is inconsistent. And he's a guy that a lot of times he's either shooting 10% or he's really on fire but on his spot up shooting like i think most defenses are going to live with that
2: well that's and that's again that's the interesting part about so much of this season to me still has a little bit more to do overall with ad's level than even with russ's level and Mm -hmm. like if you really so if ad i i don't mind early in the game even if ad is going to miss some jump shots i just love ad being aggressive period so if that's if that's him shooting a couple of like wing threes or corner threes because they're just they're they're focusing on that part of the action but it, it's just getting ad into aggressive mindset and he's getting shots up and he's playing like th- this is again it's what i'm talking about for the first couple minutes of a game but he i don't think it's gonna we're gonna end up seeing that too much you know especially when he's at the five but when he's at the four i'm never one that gets that mad like i there's a big difference for me between ad shooting a jump shot and rush shooting a jump shot and like, I, For sure. AKA, and, I'm happy if AD shoots them, even if the rhythm isn't perfect. Whereas Russ, I'd much rather have him do something else in the action or like just give the ball to LeBron.
1: Totally agree. The one place where I think it's important with respect to AD is when AD is at his worst, which is still a, a great player, but he can kind of drift on the perimeter and be too jump shot centric. And so starting off the game with yeah. him taking wing threes, like I'd rather... You know, him in the paint, rolling to the rim, just like start the game, putting pressure on the rim. And then if he's in those lineups with Dwight and I love they were doing some cool stuff. Like, I think this season's about to get fun. Like, maybe I'm just a crazy person, but they were lifting Dwight and AD in ways where it's like, oh, they're creating a little bit of space. But it's because Dwight's mobile in a way that DJ is not. And so there was they were still able to kind of create some space. I was, I was really excited about that, but that's more of a second quarter after AD's wreck shop at the rim, ideally. And that's my, my biggest concern with AD's jumper isn't like, oh, don't take jumpers. It's maybe don't take four out of your first five shots as jumpers. Totally. And, and, and that's where I think that that becomes a problem.
2: And that's what last year was frustrating, right? At times. And because, For sure. because when, and when AD got on his run before the playoffs, that was when he was get out of the way AD and he's just you have to follow me because I'm not just going to shoot this jumper now I'll make a couple but for the most part I'm putting the ball on the floor or I'm I'm posting and I'm taking some turnarounds here and there but really it's just like last night Phoenix had to follow him they just have to follow like there's nobody that can guard him when he wants to score and the best way to do that is to clear enough space for him to maneuver and of course that's going to be more difficult when there's a big unless you're being really creative so uh, but yeah, all all things that all things that I think if we're focused on AD to this level, then and he's about it, then they're going to be in, they're going to be in better shape than it seems right now.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm i I really think this is about to get fun. And again, uh, or more fun. Right. There are some legitimate issues with this team that they're going to have to um, resolve. But I think that if the starters pistol happened four games ago and we've been kind of st- on one knee tying a shoe I think we're right about to finish tying that shoe and join the race so I'm really excited about that but the injury bug has struck the Lakers got some news about THT today we'll be back tomorrow to discuss that and more on the Laker Film Room Podcast James
0: has got it in low to McHale McHale wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by Worthy Tip to Magic, Worthy dies on his belly, Magic scores That's Magic got it Magic
1: fires, it's good! Three seconds left. That next
2: to the winner. It. It's on the way. Kobe no! Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an
0: NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed—a Laker to get MVP Here's chance right, in Boston. In Boston, of all places. Are you kidding me, Kobe? Hard to believe. Are
2: you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push.
0: Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three point game.
2: Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell.
0: There's the move. Two. Going. One. Missing. Bryant. the It's over. shot popping out of five. Bryant. Yeah.